This is the Oanda Podcast. This is the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, talking to Oanda senior market analysts across the world. And today we're joined by Craig Earlham in London. Good afternoon, Craig. How are you doing? Good, mate. Good. How are you? Very well. Ahead of reviewing this evening's Federal Reserve announcement, Craig, the European Central Bank has held an emergency meeting today. What happened? Yeah, they kind of stole the spotlight a bit. I mean, this week's key event, really, the one that was headlining was always going to be the Federal Reserve. Are they going to raise by 50 basis points or 75 basis points? And then the US inflation data on Friday really changed. That came out higher than expected, 8.6%. And all of a sudden, we've seen a bit of a frenzy in the markets this week. We've seen upward pricing for rate hikes now. The base case scenario for the Federal Reserve is now 75 basis points, the first time uh, since 1994 uh, that we're seeing a 75 basis point rate hike. And some even talking about the possibility of 100 basis points, so a full percentage point rate hike this month, and then another 75 basis points uh, next month. Uh, so that was always going to lining up to be the key event this week. We've seen a lot of risk aversion in the markets this week. Uh, like I say, it's been a bit of a frenzy out there because of all of a sudden people talking more about recession, looking for recession signals, yield curve inversions, which it has happened a couple of times. The S&P 500 falling into uh, falling 20% into bear market territory. And all of a sudden, the ECB steals the limelight. Now, remember, the ECB met last week, so it's not like it was a long time ago. But one of the things they talked about last week, as well as telling us there's going to be a 25 basis point rate hike in July and maybe another 50 basis points in September, they talked about fragmentation in the euro area. Now, fragmentation isn't something we've heard a lot about now for the last eight years. Ever since, really, Mario Draghi's whatever-it-takes speech, when he, when he said, effectively, the ECB, ECB will do whatever it takes to preserve the euro. And all of a sudden, yields in the euro area in Spain and Italy, etc., at 7%, 8%, 8%, very unsustainable levels, uh, came back in. And then the ECB in, I think, 2014, 2015, announced its QE programme. Bond buying finally joining the club, and yields continue to compress further and compress further. The spread between German yields and Italian yields compressed um, right down into a, to a very small number, and it seemed like the debt crisis was now behind us. But now that we're talking about interest rate hikes all over the place, including the ECB, those yields have started to move. The German yields have moved a little bit. Italian yields have moved a lot. The Italian 10-year earlier this week uh, rose above 4%. That's the highest since 2014. So we're talking about the debt crisis once more. And the ECB called an emergency meeting this morning to discuss the fragmentation in the euro area and what can be done in order to deal with it. This contributed to the sell-off in equity markets earlier this week. It contributed to the spike in bond yields that we were continuing to see. So following that meeting, they've agreed that they will uh, have flexibility on the PEP program reinvestment. So that's the pandemic emergency purchase program, kind of the, the, the aligned with QE, but related very specifically to the pandemic and the issues that that's created. They've got more flexibility, it seems, on those reinvestments so they can target them more. So that flexibility means they don't have to distribute it evenly so they can support the periphery a lot more and try and rein in those yields and compress uh, the, the spread between those in the periphery and those in, at the core like Germany and the Netherlands etc and try and create some stability in these bond markets and what we've seen is equity markets have bounced back a little bit today I don't know how sustainable that is in the long run because we're still talking about recessions we've seen the Italian 10-year yield back fall by 30 basis points back below 4% the Italian FTSE MIB is outperforming in Europe up around 3.2% going into the close everywhere else is a little bit below 2% so clearly they have calmed some of the nerves in the markets with this emergency meeting but they're going to have to do a lot more they alluded to that 
as well at the meeting they said they were going to accelerate their plans in terms of creating an anti-fragmentation tool uh, beyond just reinvestments of the pet program and they're going to have to do a lot more and the reason why they're going to have to do a lot more is because they're probably going to have to do a lot more on the interest rate perspective again already talked this morning when they called this emergency meeting was that they could warn the markets or even announce that there's going to be a 50 basis point rate hike uh, as soon as July or even today. Uh, so there's clearly a view in the markets that a lot needs to be done by the ECB. And the more that they're going to have to raise interest rates, the more chance you've got a fragmentation in the market. So much like the Bank of Japan, they have a real issue on their hands right now with trying to achieve one thing with their monetary policy, but also the markets doing something that's extremely uh, undesirable as a result. So that was the ECB this morning, and that's created a lot of jitters in the markets this morning. And as I say, it's also stolen some of the limelight from the Fed later on this evening. We'll talk about the Fed in a moment or two, but what about this announcement? How, if anything, does it affect what the Bank of England may announce tomorrow? So the ECB issue is very unique. Uh, the Bank of England buys gilts, which has one yield. The Fed buys treasuries, which has one yield, and so on and so forth. The ECB overseas at the moment, there is no one euro bond. The ECB oversees the entire euro, euro area, which is 19 different countries with their own government bonds and their own yields uh, and their own risk profiles uh, as a result of that. It managed to it managed to contain some of that uh, throughout the last eight years because of its bond buying program, which means it was buying an even spread effectively based on the size of the current uh, of the country of those bonds, suppressing all yields basically uh, all at the same time. The other central banks don't have that same problem, so I don't think the ECB's announcement today really affects the Bank of England. But what does affect the Bank of England potentially is the view in the markets and what we're seeing filter throughout, which is recessions being priced in. Interest rates rising across the board, interest rate expectations rising across the board, and yields rising as well. The Bank of England isn't expected to raise interest rates by 25 basis points again, but over the next few meetings there are 50 basis points being increasingly priced in because what the Bank of England has as a problem that others don't have is that they are already expecting a recession later this year, which others haven't accepted yet, but also they're expecting double-digit inflation this year, which others aren't expecting at this point. So they have another problem on their hands, which is they're trying to contend with both uh, risks to the economy, and at some point they have to accept that inflation poses a bigger risk than a uh, recession. I think they're hoping that a recession will reduce some of that demand and reduce some of the job that they therefore need to do on the inflation front, but that seems to be a very big gamble. And there is the potential, the outside chance still that the Bank of England decides to go with 50 basis points tomorrow and accelerate their tightening because of the risks that inflation is continuing to pose. And what of the Federal Reserve? We're hours away from that announcement, uh, Craig. I can't remember a 24-hour period like this as far as central banks uh, in terms of their statements for quite some time, I have to say, since the financial crisis, actually. This three-quarter percent rate rise could it be one percent it could be i don't think it will be and of course there's there's almost no point speculating at this point because by the time most people listen to this the actual meeting itself will have happened so we'll know exactly what the rate rise is uh, but that is the way these markets are this week when do you record a podcast when there's something happening seemingly every few hours you kind of have to pick your moments and i'm sure ed will go over it in more detail on friday about what the fed's actually done and what the ramifications for the markets ultimately is but i think the fed 
what we're seeing in the markets build up to this point now is that the Fed will need to raise interest rates by 75 basis points today. They'll have to raise interest rates by 75 basis points next month, and they may need to do so again before the end of the year. The markets are still pricing in around another 275 basis points uh, going into this meeting of rate hikes this year. I mean, that's a considerable tightening process, considering they've already raised interest rates by 75 basis points this year. It's a very aggressive tightening, but that's what's necessary because inflation now is starting to spiral out of control and it's people thought it had peaked and that it would start to decelerate quickly. We haven't seen that deceleration. In fact, on Friday, we saw from the data, it actually rose back to 8.6%. So the Fed has a real problem on its hands and it needs to be seen to be doing something rather than sitting back and effectively crossing its fingers and hoping it's going to go away on its own. It's not going to go away on its own. It can't control fuel prices. It can't control supply chains. It can't, There's a lot of other things that it cannot control, but what it can control is domestic inflationary pressures. And at this moment in time, there's a very tight labor market. There is a lot of wage growth and there is a lot of excess savings in the economy, which means consumers can continue to spend, which continues to feed into that demand side. Um, so the Fed has to do something. Interestingly, on the spending side, though, we saw the retail sales data this afternoon, and that actually uh, came as a bit of a negative shock. We may feed some of those economic fears that have really dragged on the market so far today. Retail sales fell 0.3% month on month uh, last month, and the month before was actually revised slightly lower. Core retail sales, uh, the same, fell short of expectations. So Perhaps this isn't necessarily a trend that's building per se. We'll have to see a couple more months of data. But perhaps while the consumer is theoretically strong because of aggregate savings, it may be the case that we're starting to see signs of consumer behaviour adapting to the change in the cost of living. So people seeing high price, high prices at the pump, people seeing their household bills spiralling, people seeing the higher costs of going to the shops and buying food, and maybe even if they do have some aggregate savings, maybe they're looking at all of this and saying, you know what, maybe it's time to cut back a little bit. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see if that retail sales data does continue over the course of the next couple of months because we are seeing other signs in the economy, like with the housing market, for example, that is cooling quite uh, quite quickly. And if we do start to see that retail sales dip over a month and if we start to see consumer activity lessen over the coming months, then that will ultimately feed through to the economy and just increase those chances of recession once more. And when we've got headlines like the S&P 500, bear market territory, yield curve inv inversion, recession warnings, that's only going to feed into the consumer mindset. And as we know, it's a very fine line between tightening and the other side of the coin is creating some sort of recession which could have been abated. It could have if they maybe moved sooner. And it's obviously everyone has 2020 hindsight. And there was pressure building in the markets prior to the Fed actually starting to tighten this year for them to start raising interest rates quicker. And I think the problem that the, the issue that central banks have had, they've all had their own issues. And obviously, you look at the situation right now and they all have their own kind of problems again. The ECB's biggest problem is fragmentation. The UK's biggest problem is that the inflation's so high that the recession's already priced in and the Bank of England finds itself in a between a rock and a hard place. Do we want to worsen a recession or do we want to um or, or do we want to support the economy in a recession and hope that inflation passes? The Federal Reserve has a different problem again, that inflation is far too high and they need to get to grips with it. The Bank of Japan isn't really hitting its inflation target on a sustainable basis and is battling the market, having to buy record amounts of bonds every single night in order to try and protect its yield curve control tool because it's pushing right at the upper end of the range, dramatically weakening the currency and creating other economic issues as a result. Every central bank seems to have its issue at the moment. One thing they all seem to have in common, barring the Bank of Japan, is they've moved too slowly. Once they've, It's taken them longer than the markets to 
acknowledge the problem. And once they've acknowledged the problem, they've been so committed to their forward guidance that they've been extremely slow to actually start raising interest rates. It's now June. The Fed started raising interest rates in March. It first accepted the problem around December, January time, uh, but it took that many months to actually start raising interest rates because it was so committed to its forward guidance tool, ending bond buying, tapering asset purchases, then raising interest rates sometime after that. The ECB is now making that same mistake again. They finally accepted in a blog post by Christine Lagarde that they need to raise interest rates in July and September. Prior to that the meeting, they accepted that inflation was going to be higher and they'd have to start raising interest rates this year. And yet the first interest rate hike isn't going to come, come until next month. Why? Because they had to slowly taper their bond buying and then they had to give it a little period of time and then they could start raising interest rates. I'm pretty sure central banks would have been forgiven for saying, do you know what? This is going to have to happen in an accelerated manner as they have before and started raising rates sooner. And what worries me is not that the Fed didn't do it. What worries me is that the ECB is now making that same, that same mistake. The Bank of England's mistake is something entirely different because they actually started raising interest rates back in November, but it feels like they've thrown in the towel by March and they it's like they've just kind of accepted that inflation is going to be high and that's just that so all central banks have their own issues right now and that's what made this week so interesting even before you threw ECB into the heart because we had the bank we had the Federal Reserve to this evening the Bank of England tomorrow the Swiss National Bank tomorrow the Bank of Japan on Friday uh, after what is going to be a very tumultuous week as far as Japan is concerned in the markets. So it was always going to be a fascinating week and then the ECB just ultimately added to that. Really interesting stuff, Craig. Thanks very much. We'll speak to you again soon. Thank you. This is the Oanda Podcast.